Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. That's right. It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take callers. We don't tolerate sponsors. But we do help focus you on the events of the week through the lens of original thought. And last week, my extremely attractive audio engineer and I, we went on a little road trip, stayed at a hotel, and as I was getting off the elevator from the parking garage into the hotel... A couple passed me, both wearing masks, and so I coughed right in their fa- <coughs> right in their face. My extremely attractive audio engineer put her arm up and backed me off, and she kept everything calm and cool and collected. But I am anxious to start delivering the message that if you wear a mask, you are implying that I am nothing but an infectious disease vector to you. And I am offended by that. And so I believe I will do that by... (coughs) Right in their faces is is what I'll do. But uh, that's not really... We'll get to more of the road trip because it was interesting, as it always is, to go out among people, you know. Among all the, the strange people out there. Strange, weird, odd people. Everyone except us. It's really strange how that is. But let's start in Vermont with the like a suicide file, because in Vermont they've legalized something that's like a suicide, but it's not quite a suicide. That's right. Just the News reports that Vermont has legalized assisted suicide through telemedicine, carried out by video chat. Wow. Now, wait a second. Now... I don't think the actual killing or the actual suicide is is what's going to be carried out by video chat. I don't I don't think. I mean, unless they plan to I don't know, like what they lock you onto a Zoom call just you and Jen Saki and that that's how you carry out suicide by video chat. You just can't escape and eventually you just stick a shotgun in your mouth because, you know, Jen and all Saki Psaki. Uh, no, I don't think the actual killing of the person is going to be carried out via video chat. That's just how they're going to carry out the machinations required under this new law. The new law in Vermont, by the way, Vermont, the number one state that people think of when they think of suicide is Vermont. Sure it is. Um, under the new law... A requesting patient must have a quote-unquote terminal condition. The the word terminal condition is actually in quote-unquotes in the story, which means it could mean virtually anything. I mean, don't we all have a terminal condition of sorts, right? I mean, we're all going to die. And, you know, if you're depressed enough, you can just call up the state of Vermont and say, you know, I'm depressed. This feels terminal. They'd be like, okay. Let us hook you up on this Zoom with Jen Saki. You'll have a shotgun in your mouth within 15 minutes. <laughs> anyway, under the new law, seriously, folks, uh, 
The, pa- the requesting patient must have a terminal condition and be informed of hospice. You know, you could go to hospice or we'll prescribe these medications for you. Put you on the Zoom with Jen Psaki. You're a goner. The, the law. Now, here's the interesting part of the law, as if the, what I just said wasn't interesting enough. The new legislation bars criminal and civil liability for anyone associated with a suicide who's a healthcare professional, as long as they're acting in good faith in compliance with the law. That means they don't have to actually follow the law, by the way. That's what acting in good faith implies. Well, you didn't follow the rules step by step, not exactly every rule, but, you know, you were, you were acting in good faith. You wanted to kill the person. The person is dead. So we're not going to hold you accountable because that's the spirit of the law in Vermont. Um, so anyway, it's not a Zoom call with Jen Psaki that leads to the eventual suicide. This is assisted suicide, formerly known as murder in which physicians dispense fatal medications and the fatal medications are then administered by the suicidal client, patient. Did I say client? I'm impatient. This isn't like a prostitution thing. It's not. The suicidal John and the doctor. Uh, critics have raised concerns that assisted suicide can now be achieved without a face-to-face interaction with a doctor. Is that really right, that you can kill yourself without (laughs) talking to the doctor first? Wow. Yeah, that would make it better if you talk to your doctor first. That's right. That's going to be the official Republican position. We want to make sure people talk to their doctors before (laughs) being killed by their doctors. (laughs) By golly, this needs to be done in an orderly fashion. So there you have that. That's from the Like a Suicide file. Meanwhile... From the actual suicide file, we have reports on how many sailors aboard the aboard the USS George Washington have killed themselves in the past week or so, and the stand counts at approximately three right at the moment, just because we haven't checked the news. Three sailors have killed themselves uh, aboard the George Washington. Uh, the, the, the latest was April 15th. Uh, a seaman recruit, Caviar Hunter Mitchell Sander. A seaman recruit. Abo- ab- are the recruits aboard the ships now? I thought recruits were in boot camp. And t- I, don't know, I don't know all the, all the ins and outs of it. But uh, ironically, this is aboard the, the ship named for the founding father of our country. Most recently, the seaman shot himself. A spokeswoman, a spokeswoman would not confirm the details, citing investigations into a string of suicides aboard the carrier George Washington. That's right. The, the, the seaman recruit there who shot himself marks the third sailor to commit suicide in the past month. April 9th, uh, third class, specialist third class, died by suicide. The next day, another third-class electrician uh, took her own life. Uh, Seven service members assigned to the George Washington have died in just the past 12 months, including four just this year, which seems odd. It seems noteworthy. uh, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said, quote, regardless of how these sailors died, regardless of what the cause is, 
I can tell you the Navy's taking this very seriously. But I don't want you to consider the cause or how, because I just said regardless of how or what the cause is, I'd rather you don't think about that. We're taking this very seriously. Leadership is taking this very seriously. Did I say we were taking this seriously? That's right. I said I can tell you the Navy is taking this seriously. Navy leadership is taking this very seriously, and they're looking at it. They're looking at it and uh, trying better to understand it there on aboard the George Washington, unquote. That was uh, Press Secretary John Kirby, who always looks like he just kidnapped a 13-year-old and has him in the trunk right now. And, so, and he just got pulled over, and he's trying to explain to the cops why he's sweating so much. John Kirby. Yeah, he's got that look of someone who's intensely trying to cover up something really, really bad. John Kirby, press secretary for the Pentagon, and who's, well, I don't think we have to explain that look in his eye. It's fairly obvious. We have a report now out of the Alaska Bureau on Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's right. The Weekly Worldview Alaska Bureau is the only bureau authorized to report on Kenosha, because, of course, it has a similar climate. And I, I don't just mean the cold. It's obviously generally cold at the Alaska Bureau and in Kenosha. But it's also a similar, a similar climate in that it's been taken over by communists. The Alaska Bureau up there. As well as Kenosha, where the city council, the city council last week was actually discussing a proposed memorial for one of the men killed by Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes, Kyle Rittenhouse, who was acquitted by a jury who said it was obviously self-defense that he killed, that he shot these maniacs, one of whom tried to kill him with a skateboard. That was this particular, do I have his name here? Do I even want to give his name? Uh... Something Huber. It's in the story here. I, 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 don't, I don't have his first name, but I don't care. He was the guy with the skateboard that uh, tried to hit Kyle Rittenhouse in the head with it, and then Kyle shot him right in the chest. And there's a really interesting video of... Uh, his name is Anthony Huber. After Kyle Rittenhouse shot him, Kyle Rittenhouse is being assaulted by another maniac... And Huber's just standing there, both hands on his chest, realizing that he's just been shot right through the heart and he's going to die. So anyway, the city council in Kenosha wants to, I don't know, erect a statue of, of uh, Anthony Huber. Maybe he'll be, I don't know if he'll be riding the skateboard or will he be swinging it at an innocent victim's head in the statue of the innocent skateboarder, Anthony Huber. Killed by white supremacist Kyle Rittenhouse during the Black Lives Matter protest. Anyway, so the the city council there it was exposed. The vote was exposed by a, another former councilman. Recorded it, put it up on uh, Facebook or YouTube or FaceTube or something like that. Put it up live so that they couldn't hide. And they decided they instead of voting to approve the memorial to the skateboard killer or potential skateboard killer. He would have been a skateboard killer, except that Kyle Rittenhouse killed him first. 
So, but the uh, potential alleged attempted memorial was shelved, tabled, they call it, by the city council instead of being approved as it would have been had they been able to keep the thing secret. But it wasn't kept secret. It was exposed. And so now it's tabled, which means in a few weeks when everybody forgets about this, they'll vote on it again and they'll put up a, a memorial. The communists in Kenosha will put up a memorial to one of the guys who tried to kill uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. They will eventually, my prediction is they eventually will have a statue immortalizing the skateboarding prowess of skateboard swinger Anthony Huber there in uh, communist Kenosha, Wisconsin. Thank you to the uh, Alaska board for uncovering that for everyone. Hopefully our Alaska Bureau, did I say Alaska board? I was thinking skateboard bureau, all of that. The Alaska Bureau will have to follow up on that because we may not have the resources here at the Weekly Worldview we're facing we're facing staffing shortages as as everyone is <clears throat> yeah staffing sh- actually we don't have a staffing shortage in fact here at the McBurney compound the staff has recently been joined by one more peahen <laughs> so as you know we had one peahen that was joined while well, we had two one was taken by a predator so we were down to one peahen then another one just showed up out of nowhere and now a third has joined. So we don't have a staffing shortage. We have extra staff. The problem with the peahens is they just don't get a lot done around here. But boy, are they loud at 5.30 in the morning. The new one's checking out, strutting around, checking out the perimeter, yeah, getting her sea legs, so to speak. And so at 5.30, she wants to make sure all the neighbors are awake, which is not really very cool on a on a Sunday morning, but uh, should I talk about the neighbor? Let me talk about the the bad neighbor, okay? If you, if you wonder if you're a bad neighbor, I can tell you, you can self-diagnose. <clears throat> Are you a neighbor who first decides, okay, first I'm going to establish what I like to do. <clears throat> and let's just say I like to play really lousy 60s folk, hippie, druggy music. Loudly enough for all my neighbors to hear hear it uh, while I work in the yard. That's what I like to do. So I'm going to establish that pattern for several weeks. Or even a couple of months. Just so I can establish with all my neighbors that this is what I like to do. How will they know? Because they can hear it. (laughs) And then I'll casually ask my neighbors one by one as the opportunity presents itself. Oh, does my music bother you, man? Does it bother you at all? Is is it cool with you? So listen, if you're wondering if you're a bad neighbor, first of all, why would you ask if the music bothers me unless you already know it bothers me? Okay, anyway, as the bad neighbor, though, you ask your neighbors if it bothers them in hopes that the natural aversion that good neighbors have to having tension with their lousy neighbors over relatively minor things, at least in the bigger picture of life, it's relatively minor when you're thinking about life and the universe and everything, bad hippie music all day long, you know, it's just some awful Grateful Dead or Jefferson airplane droning. It's just not that big of a deal. And it's only often, it's not always so. You know, I don't want to have problems with my lousy neighbor. And it's only in the afternoons 
And it's only when it's nice outside, you know, when I want to go outside. It's when I'd like to be out there, too. Well, but it's, it's not that bad. It's certainly not worth creating tension with my annoying neighbor over. And so, yeah, that aversion to conflict and tension, that will ensure that all the neighbors submit to what the lousy neighbor likes to do. And as the lousy neighbor, I'll take stock in the fact that they even have given me permission to do it. And the band played on. Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney, and speaking of neighbors and all of that, bad neighbors, annoying neighbors, dreadful, grateful dead, and Jefferson Airplane. And did I mention the grateful dead and how dreadful they are? How awful it is to hear something like that in the afternoon when it's nice. Well, think about what it must be like to live next door to Russia. As in, how about that? Now, the Russian government, according to Breitbart, last week they halted all gas exports to Poland and Bulgaria, neighbors of theirs, after a deadline passed for those nations to begin paying for their Russian gas in Russian rubles. Well, Poland and Bulgaria were not happy about that. They said, we don't want to pay in rubles. And Russia said, okay, then we're going to turn off the gas. Now, uh, leftist sociopathic child molesting maniacs who run the EW, who have been orchestrating uh, the proxy war against Russia on behalf of the aforementioned sociopathic child molesting maniacs, socialist communists running the EU. <laughs> Uh, they call it blackmail. The European Union has called the suspension of gas deliveries by Russia blackmail. It's blackmail. And Russia has said, well, if you continue to send in rockets and bullets to your puppet in Kiev, then we will turn off the gas. But at least we're not bombing you yet. Just turn off the gas. And so they, uh, as of Sunday, it looks like that all of them will begin paying Russia in rubles. Why? Because they need gas. And so they'll be paying Russian gas with rubles with one hand and sending bullets to their puppet regime in Kiev with the other hand and continuing the war that should have been over in a, in a couple of weeks. It should have been over within a few weeks. Uh, uh, Putin should have toppled the the 
EU puppet and installed his own puppet, you know, like uh, like t- third world tin horn dictatorships do all the time. But instead, the war drags on and it's just uh, it's tragic and sad and awful. Wholesale gas prices soared 20 percent in Europe just one day after Russia turned off the gas. But now they're all going to buy their rubles. And while they decry Vladimir Putin as a genocidal, maniacal Hitler, they will continue to supply him with billions and billions of dollars. Why? Because they're a bunch of lying hypocrites. That's why. And it's sad for the civilians in... in, uh, It's sad for the the civilians all over uh, the Ukraine, by the way. The reason they called it the Ukraine was because it was always a part of Russia. But anyway, we'll leave that aside because we're going to move on into the deeper into the war file where Joe Biden himself has now committed openly to a policy of escalation in Ukraine. This is according to the Federalist, and this is all fairly obvious. For whatever reason, Joe Biden and his administration and the people who run him, which is George Soros and Barack Obama, and all the other child molesters, uh, Barack Obama and George Soros being the chief two child molesters, but all the other child molesters in the EU intend to keep the war in Ukraine alive by continuing to pour in new and more advanced weaponry. So by breathing hope into the a thuggish puppet regime there in Kiev. They stood the Kiev army up enough to fight off the initial assault of Mr. Putin. And now they're just going to drag this thing out as long as possible and apparently test some new weapons there, which uh, that's what the, uh, the hosts of the proxy like to do. They like to test their weapons. And so Austin and Blinken, now that sounds like a comedy team. Austin and Blinken, <laughs> it's, it's like a puppet show. Austin and Blinken are be sending new military aid to Ukraine. Uh, they say $3.7 billion. Oh, I'm sorry. They've already given $3.7 billion since the Russians invaded. Biden is now preparing to send heavy artillery, helicopters, armored personnel carriers, anti-aircraft radar system, advanced attack drones, other weapons at Austin and Blinken. Dun, 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 dun. Austin and Blinken. Are, that's right. Well, I'm Austin and I'm a Blinken. So they're also sending, um, <laughs> they're sending drones, uh, expanding military training on certain weapons systems. And folks, do you know what that means? That means boots on the ground, if not in the Ukraine, then close around the Ukraine, close enough to get shot at by the Russians, which is precarious. Senior U.S. military officials describe accelerating an accelerating logistical network for supplying weapons and material to Ukraine along the eastern flank. <clears throat> weapons and munitions are getting into Ukraine via railway. How do we know this? Because just hours after Austin and Blinken puppet show left the railway station, Russia blew them all up, five of them. So a civil war, um, in my opinion, this is a civil war. At best, it's a regional conflict between corrupt Eastern European rival oligarchies. That's what it really, at, at, its, at, at its most, 
So why is it being escalated to the threshold of World War III by the West? Um, let me just say that I don't think it's for the sake of truth, justice, and the American way. I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's protecting the sacred religious right of democracy. I don't think that I don't think it's that either. Could it be as simple as the hubris of just decadent affluence? The the rulers of the Western democracies are so fat and happy and well fed and drugged and massaged and behind their gated communities that they just don't really understand. They've become a ruling class incapable of comprehending their own fragility. And they forget, they don't even know that Napoleon or any of that, Hitler, they, they, they don't know that any of that even happened with the Russians. They just assume that their gated communities are impenetrable. And so with hubris and affluence and decadence, they, they just stumble forward not realizing that they're bringing the world to the precipice of a, of a crisis <clears throat> that could even lead through the gates in their own communities. No way. That couldn't happen. We're, we're impervious. We're invulnerable. We're unsinkable, said the big fat... Uh, all right, but well, let's just well let's move on from that. That's kind of depressing to think about because if the uh, if the Russian fiasco results in the collapse of the gated communities of the ruling class, well that would be after we got rolled over, which would not be very fun. So we certainly hope that the arrogance, hubris, and gross decadence is restrained somehow in the not too distant future. Before somebody sets off a nuclear device or something like that, which we don't want to see anything like that happen. But as long as we're out there in the east, let's move further east into the big con file where Taiwan's Foxconn technology group is shutting down operations. Why? Because Taiwan's Foxconn, the factories are actually in China. And now Foxconn has suspended operations at two of its factories in Kunshan, China, because of the communist Chinese quarantines related to their zero COVID policy. That's right. Oh, listen to how now this is the Epic Times, which is the premier right wing news outlet. They are the most right wing. They're the most in line with what I think and believe as far as secular news outlets, and they say the CCP implemented strict quarantines to combat the spread of the Omicron virus. I'm sorry, the Omicron variant. They did. Why did the CCP implement strict quarantines, according to the Epic Times? Why, to combat the spread of the Omicron variant. Really? Is that, is that why? They... Do you, is that really what you think over there at the Epic Times, or are you just cutting and pasting straight-up propaganda? Because it's very sad to see the editors at the Epic Times 
allow propaganda like this through the filter. It's very sad. Now, but by the way, I knew there was a reason I thought Foxconn was Chinese. I, that's because it is. <laughs> I, I know I read stories a few weeks ago that Foxconn was a Taiwanese company. And they were upset that Apple might be moving their production to China. And I thought, I thought Foxconn was Chinese. And so apparently the headquarters is in Taiwan. But the Taiwanese, not unlike the rest of the world, are actually in the slave state of China, taking advantage of the slave labor in the slave state of China, just like everybody else. So the, the Taiwanese, they're no better than the, than the oligarchs in Washington or the EU who've offshored all their manufacturing to slaves in China. And so now that the slave masters in China have decided to lock down the slaves, well, you know, to, to stop the spread of the Omicron variant. Now the whole world stands on the, on the verge of, a, of, of an economic shaking that, uh, by the way, I don't think there's any way around it now because these lockdowns have now been going on for nearly six weeks. And the economic damage is, it's like a whirlwind just winding up, getting ready to be unleashed. Um, millions of residents in the Kunshan, China region are under uh, a lockdown as cases per day rise to more than 20,000. Listen to this. Don't the millennials over at, uh, at the Epic Times recognize propaganda when they see it? Can't you filter that out? Don't you even recognize it? It's not because cases have risen to 20,000 a day. It's because they're dictators. They're despots and tyrants. And they, they have become married to a bureaucratic, tyrannical policy of zero COVID that they are willing to kill people over because it's a bureaucracy, a maniacal, dictatorial, tyrannical bureaucracy run amok. And the cases don't matter, and the Omicron, none of that matters. And it certainly shouldn't be reported as if it does. Anyway, uh, Foxconn um, had been able to uh, continue all their operations in Shenzhen province, where the lockdowns occurred. How did they do that? Foxconn isolated its, isolated its workers from the rest of society. That's right. Their employees were shuttled between company-owned dormitories and the factories to avoid contact with the outside world. The company declared this their closed-loop system. Ah, Rita are deployed to other manufacturing center. But now, even the they closed-loop system are not working against the CCP zero-COVID strategy. Hmm. And now this, all of this, is stoking fears that this insane pursuit of this COVID zero policy could bring down the Chinese economy. And it very well may. And it may bring down the rest of the world's economy as well. And I think there are a lot of fat, happy people behind their gates and sitting atop their oligarchies who like that just fine. Hey! Hey! Woo! Everybody rock down! Yeah! 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 Yeah!
It's the Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney, and I've just mentioned the the fat, decadent pigs sitting atop the pile in the oligarchy. The, the top two on the pile being uh, Barack Obama and George Soros. And I want to address George Soros before I address Elon Musk, because I haven't talked about Elon Musk and his uh, business dealings of late. But I wanted to get to George Soros because, well, I don't think I can comment on Elon Musk without commenting upon him in light of the reality of George Soros and and the whole Ministry of Truth story that broke last week as Barack Obama has decided to actually instigate a Ministry of Truth. I know it looks as if it's the Obama administration, but... We all know that the Obama administration is the Biden administration. Did I say Biden? We all know that the Biden administration is the Obama administration. (laughs) Now, there's a Freudian slip. We all know that the Obama administration is the Biden administration and vice versa. And George Soros sits atop it all. And you have heard me, if you've listened to this show for any time for the past 20 years or so, you've heard me mention that George Soros was a Nazi collaborator during World War II. And so I dug back and did some research and I found the source of my accusation and it was a 60 Minutes interview. And so a thing is established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so we have not only the reportage by 60 Minutes, here's what they said in the 60 Minutes from December 20th, 1998, In 1944, at the age of 14, George Soros evaded Nazi arrest when his father falsely claimed the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I inserted that part. Uh, Actually, his father falsely claimed that he was a Christian, that George was a Christian. That's right. His father bribed a governing official there in Budapest, Hungary, to take 14-year-old George Soros in and swear that he was his Christian godson. Uh Uh-huh. Now, folks, contrary to this being a sin, this was not a sin. Jesus would have supported George Soros' father in lying. Jesus would have supported Soros taking the name of the Lord in vain, so to speak, because this is not taking the name of the Lord in vain. Claiming that you're a Christian godson and not a Jew in Budapest in 1944 when all the Jews were being shipped off to the death camps, that was not a sin. That was actually not taking the name of the Lord in vain, even though technically it it was. But uh, neither the Lord, nor history, nor I, nor anyone else of good conscience would have blamed George Soros' father for lying about his son's identity. So neither blasphemy nor Nazi collaboration are the sins for which George Soros will go to hell. Even though George Soros admittedly participated with his guardian in the confiscation of property of Hungarian Jews sent to the death camps by the Nazis. So we have... We have the testimony of 60 Minutes, and then now we're going to hear George Soros' testimony himself. So we have the investigative reporters at 60 Minutes, back when there were investigative reporters, 1998. 
And we will have the testimony of George Soros himself. But Soros was a 14-year-old. And a 14-year-old can hardly be held accountable for following the instructions of his elders in order to survive. So that's not why George Soros is going to hell and trying to take everyone with him, by the way. That's not why. But this might be why the Ministry of Truth has been uh, finally officially organized um, by Mr. Soros and his, and his number one puppet, Barack Obama. This might be why. So listen to Soros' own words regarding accusations that he collaborated with the Nazis against the Jews in World War II. Here are George Soros' own words. Listen to them and see if you can determine George Soros' sin. In answer to the question regarding accusations that you collaborated with the Nazis, Soros says the following, quote, But there was no sense that I shouldn't be there because that was, well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets. That if I weren't there, of course, I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would be taking it away anyhow. Whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator. The property was being taken away, so I had no role in taking away that property, so I had no sense of guilt. Unquote. George Soros claims he was merely a spectator. Now, now he could have said, look, I was 14. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. And so I went along with what the adults around me told, to do, told me to do. And now I feel terrible about it. But he doesn't feel terrible about it because he has rendered himself a mere spectator to hell on earth as he participated in it. And so that's the sin for which George Soros is going to hell and apparently why he wants to take everyone with him. So that there will be no witnesses against him to say, George, you can't claim to have been a spectator. You can claim to have been 14 and beg for forgiveness and say you feel terrible about it, but you can't just claim to be a spectator. But George Soros doesn't want anyone to survive to be able to make that accusation. So George Soros would be willing to kill God himself to relieve himself of the actual guilt that his conscience actually feels over what he actually did in confiscating the property of Jews as they were sent to the death camps. While they were being sent to the death camps. After they were sent to the death camps, while other family members were trying to figure out who had been sent to the death camp, George Soros came through with other collaborators and confiscated their property. And so he participated. And so there, that's who George Soros is, and that's why he's so evil. So now maybe you understand. And so that brings us to Elon Musk who I hope is not as evil as, as uh, 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 George Soros. Uh, anyway, an Austin man, this is according to the Houston Chronicle, an Austin, Texas area man is offering Elon Musk free, free land. Free land if he will move Twitter's headquarters and relocate it from San Francisco to Texas. 
Uh, we all know that George Musk, uh, to George Musk, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's another Freudian slip. Uh, Elon Musk, I'm sorry, purchased uh, f- uh, purchased Twitter for $44. Or, and I'm sorry, not 44000 No, I'm so, 44 uh, I, Excuse me, $44 billion. Wow, did he get rooked. I mean, here's the thing. I know Elon, everyone considers him a genius. I think that he's primarily a very good salesman, which that's not saying a lot. It's not saying much, that's all. Because some of the most successful salesmen I know, and I'm a salesman, I'm in the business, some of the most successful ones are the ones who lie the most and are willing to bully people the most. They make the most money, they're the most successful, and Elon's very good at that. But anyways, uh, $44 billion, Elon. Twitter is here today, and it is something today. But is it $44 billion worth of something? I don't think so. But you know what? Elon said he's not worried about the economics. And it caught me by surprise. I, I found myself agreeing and respecting Elon Musk, which I don't do that often. But I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Now, Elon Musk, as far as I've been concerned, is is a heathen with too good of an opinion with and too close of a relationship with the, the, the Chinese Communist Party, okay? So I have not been friendly to Elon Musk because of that. But I do hope that Elon Musk's apparent awareness that there is something called civilization to be concerned with is real. Elon Musk is the first person of any significant import in the culture and the media and the governing elite. He's the first person I've heard mention the fact that civilization is something to be worried about and concerned with. And so just the fact that he apparently realizes that, you know, we've heard recently that he has decried the the dwindling birth rates around the world as catastrophic. Now, it doesn't take a saint to realize that dwindling birth rates and tyrannical, maniacal behavior, squelching free speech, are dangerous to the future of even just regular business. But hey, Elon said he was concerned about civilization. Which all the, all the millennials had to go look that up. What does that mean? Civilization. Wow, Elon said it. There must be something to it. Well, thank you for that, Elon Musk. We appreciate that. And we hope you're sincere. And we hope that you will realize that if you are sincere about what you claim you want to do with free speech, then the whole coziness with the CCP that should start to bother you on a level in your conscience at some point. All right. Now, we have stream.org, which is a Christian propaganda site. I, I shouldn't say it that way. Anyway, it's a mainline evangelical <laughs> Christian site. And they've got an article up there saying, pray for Elon Musk. Listen to what the author at stream.org says. Did I say stream.com? I meant stream.org. Because it's a 501c3 tax-deductible uh, Christian operation. Uh, Christian small c and in quotation marks, by the way. Uh, pray for Elon Musk. Pray him protection. Pray him wisdom. Pray him courage. Pray him prudence cutting, 
cunning and rafish good cheer. So this idea of pray him something, I hope you people understand what that means. That means, that implies that the power of our prayer can actually bring something about, which that's simply not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And not because that man is righteous, it's because of the power of God and the power of Jesus Christ. We can't pray him anything. That's a pagan construct that we have some mystical power to pray something into reality, and that's a lie. We can only pray that something will be in accordance with the will of God and that God will bring that thing about. But that wouldn't be me praying it. That would be me agreeing with God. But that's not what this pagan construct... Anyway, the, 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 the author at stream.org, who I don't want to beat him up too much, but that whole thing with this whole thing I've been hearing lately about, I'm going to manifest this and manifest that with my prayer. That's just all pagan gobbledygook. You're not going to manifest anything if you're not in agreement with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all. Of anyway, the principalities in power, back to the article here, the principalities in power that will signal a stampede, Black Lives Matter riots, Antifa vandalism of Teslas and factories, a boycott against uh, Elon Musk. Musk will be painted literally as a Hitler. Now that all is true, yes. Just days ago, frontman for the oligarchy, Barack Obama, announced that silencing free speech was the most important task to defend democracy. The author here at stream.org says Twitter is the spinal column of the Leviathan, which Mammon has raised up to rule us. Well, I think that's a bit much. I don't know that Twitter is all that much. And I think Twitter could... Anyway, I think twi Twitter is more like a vapor that everyone is inhaling at the moment, but it could be gone with one big cough. It's, anyway, we'll see. I could be wrong about that. May, maybe these things have more authority than I think. But I, I just know that trends and fads tend to disappear in a moment. And so, anyway, the author does point out rightly that we, as Americans in the Western democracies today, we live under a dictatorship of thin-skinned, vicious schoolgirls. Well, I've rarely heard the condition of modern society described uh, better than that right there. We live under a dictatorship of, of thin-skinned, vicious schoolgirls. Uh, progressives believe that politics ended with the election of Barack Obama. After that, it was all just re-education and yada yada and, and fundamental transformation and all of that. But they turned out to be wrong. Because the Trump the, the Trumpster came along and was elected by the Trumpists. But but here's the problem is that uh, that that the guy at stream doesn't really see because he seems to imply that that the election of Trump was somehow a signal that Christianity was on the rise. Because remember, stream.org is a Christian organ. But Trump, the Trumpists and Trump himself. They all believe that there's a secular bulwark to be implemented against the left. But what they don't understand is that their secular bulwark 
it, it can only lead to civil war. I mean, it can't really lead to any spiritual awakening because only a spiritual attack can avoid a physical conflict. The MAGA crowd is just going to end up butchering and being butchered by the woke crowd. They'll just butcher each other. It'll be awful. It'll be the bikers and the soccer hooligans against the woke communist trannies in probably one of the worst bloodbaths to envelop humanity since, I don't know, maybe since Noah's flood. It'll be pretty bad. So, anyway, here at the Weekly Worldview, we are promoting a spiritual attack. A spiritual attack based in agreement with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and not reliance on our own understanding and certainly not on MAGA. It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney, coming off what I contend is the greatest guitar solo in the history of the electric guitar. (laughs) Maybe we're the bad neighbor neighbor making you listen to that. (laughs) The thing is, (laughs) well, the thing is, is on the podcast, you can always hit fast forward and get out of it. When you're out in the yard, you can't get away. From, uh, who's that? I can't remember the guy with the Grateful Dead. I was going to say his name, but you know what? I don't want to name anyone in that dreadful, horrible, awful office. Anyway, um, so my extremely attractive audio engineer and I. So I'm coming off the end of, uh, of Western civilization and pray for Elon Musk and all of that. But I, I, we're on a road trip and I've got... I had an experience for the first time in my life. I ate Skittles one at a time. I, 
I had never done that before, ever. Now, I remember when Skittles were introduced. Uh, it was sometime in the 80s, I, I believe. At least the first time I became aware of them. And I remember being quite dubious about Skittles because I was already familiar with M&Ms and they looked like M&Ms, but they were some kind of fruity thing. I don't know about that. So I came to Skittles with some skepticism. But the first time I ate a handful, I thought, this is going to work. I like this. But uh, probably because I was a young man with big appetites, I always ate Skittles by the handful. And so I was not aware that Skittles each had an individual flavor. I thought Skittles all tasted like a fruity, tart, sweet, fruity, tart thing. And it was just a big mashup of fruity tartiness and sweetness. Little did I realize that if you eat the Skittles one at a time, they have an individual fruit flavor. Green apple, lime, lemon, strawberry, grape, and then I'm forgetting something. And orange, of course. How can you? And lemon. How do you forget orange and lemon? Those are the headliners. So anyway, there you go. If you haven't tried it, especially if you're driving a long way down the road and there's not a lot to look at, popping one Skittle at a time is a great way to spend your time. Although we don't have a sponsor. That's right. And, and by the way, Skittles does not sponsor the program. Uh, neither does Ross, by the way. Have you ever shopped at Ross with the irregular clothing? We do it all the time because, you know, we're not decadent. <laughs> we remember what it's like to be poor. So we, anyway, we're driving out in the western United States, parts unknown. We saw a Ross warehouse approximately the size of Rhode Island. You could see it from the freeway. You're driving by it. For, it's like the moon. It seems to move along with you. And I'm like, could there be that much irregular clothing moving from, from the east to west that you need a facility of that monumental size? I think it's the biggest warehouse I've ever seen in my life outside of all those Amazon warehouses, which are all even bigger and, and creepier looking. But anyway, that was, uh, that was the road trip. Is that all, is that all we had from the, from the road trip? I think, I think that was... That was all the really exciting stuff that we had. Um, I, I'll talk about I'll will talk about other stuff later because there are there is some other stuff that I want to get to personal stuff, but I don't want to bore you with all that. I instead I want to go to reason number nineteen fifty two. I see I see nineteen fifty two. I don't think one thousand nine hundred and fifty two. I think nineteen fifty two. Like nineteen fifty two. And you think of nineteen fifty two. Right? It, with, uh, what, I guess Truman was in the White House, or was it Eisenhower by then? I can't, I can't remember because I wasn't alive, so obviously I don't remember. But uh. anyway, 1952 just seems like before everything went insane. It seems like it. You know, maybe, maybe if I could go back and I was actually there, I would realize that the, that the public schools were already pushing a transgender ideology, and that marijuana was legal and um, people were allowed to camp in the street and urinate and shoot up. And No, wait a second. None of that was true in 1952. I'm sorry, none of it. But this is reason number 1,952 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. This is what's real in America today. President Joe Biden 
was speaking during a Teacher of the Year event at the White House last week. And he said that he told the teachers that when they're in class, the children are like yours and not anyone else's. They're yours and they're not anyone else's, said Joe Biden to the teachers. Why does he say that? Because that's what he believes. And why does he believe that? Well, because that's what the parents have implied to him and the others like him. And if you're shocked that Joe Biden would say that, that means you're simply not paying attention to reality. Because when you deposit your kids into an institution run by the government on a daily basis, what do you expect those government officials to think? I mean... They get the kids, they look at the kids, they look at the parents, they say, well, you gave them to us, they're ours, aren't they? And then they start to do with them as they please, which at the moment involves transgender ideology and racist hatred and every other... Every other reason to get or keep your children out of government schools. This is reason number 1,952. If you don't stop, the government will think your kids are theirs. And they'll start indoctrinating them with whatever's in fashion with the government, which it ain't 1952 anymore, Mom. So from there, we go to reason number 1,953, in no particular order, to get or keep your children out of the government schools. Yeah, This is from... Headline USA reports that uh, Randy, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, (laughs) one of the largest teachers unions in the country, uh, was caught on tape saying that parental rights bills, parental rights bills, which the school teacher unions are against that. They're against parental rights in general. Why? Well, we thought you gave them to us. What do you want them for? Now you're saying you want them? Anyway, she says the, the head of the American Federation of Teachers says that parental rights, rights bills will cause unrest. She says regarding uh, this pushback against the woke movement, here's what the president of the American Federation of Teachers said. Randy, quote, this is the way in which wars start, unquote. Wars. She used the word war. Why? Because she's paying attention. She's the head of the American Federation of Teachers, and she's paying attention to what's going on, and she knows what this is about. This is life and death. What happens to your children's minds is what wars are started over. The taking and the molestation and the indoctrination of children are what wars are started over. She's correct. The government schools and the deranged, criminally insane sex perverts have been at war with you, mom and dad, for the better part of a century in the public schools, and you're just now figuring it out, but she knew it all along. She's just worried you're going to realize it, and that's going to start an actual war against her. She's correct, and... 
Folks, if the corruption and molestation of your children does not motivate you to make war upon them, then your children will be lost. And you'll be destroyed, and your children will be enslaved by your enemies. And by the way, your enemies are the American Federation of Teachers and the public schools. They are the domestic enemies that our founders insisted that we swear an allegiance to fight against. Now, maybe you weren't in the military and you didn't actually raise your right hand and swear to defend America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, but you've heard it, you've seen it in a movie. Well, these are the enemies domestic. They want to indoctrinate, molest, rape your child. And so you can at least take your children out of their hands. That's the first step. In fact, that's how we can avoid a war, is if, if we'll take our children out of their hands and raise them separately in the fear and admonition of the Lord, then our children will grow up with the spiritual cultural, and civilizational wherewithal to save these heathens from themselves, to save them from the bloodbath that they're going to bring upon themselves. So that's not even a very difficult way to make a war. You don't even have to pick up a gun or risk being killed to just get your children out of their hands for crying out loud. And so, and so from there, we go to reason number 1951, think of that, 1951, before even rock and roll, 1951. But it's reason number 1,951 to get your, keep your children out of government schools. Tina, Tina Deskovich has been fighting for parental rights since um, 2016. Okay, welcome to the fight, appreciate that. Um, and now 85,000 mothers in 34 states have joined her in her organization called Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty show up at school board meetings to hold officials accountable. That's right. These moms are now also running for school board and other local offices, and they are winning. And what they're doing once they get in, they're requesting public records to uncover the radical sexual and racial agenda being pushed in the government schools. Here's what Tina Deskovich says, quote, Our mission is to save America by empowering parents to stand up for their parental rights. We are moms concerned about the future of our country and our children. That's right. Moms for Liberty is already having a nationwide impact, according to the authors at Breitbart. They're confronting schools about books for the youngest children with explicit sexual content. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tina says moms in North Florida are fighting back. Yep, the sex ed curriculum that their kids had been exposed to is just over-the-top ridiculous, she said. And when parents find out what, what's going on, they're just going to be shocked, says Tina Deskovich, head of Moms for, uh, moms for Liberty. Is that, is that it? Yeah, Moms for Liberty which is kind of Orwellian when you think about it, right? 
I mean, think about it. Moms who've chosen the voluntary enslavement of the workplace, right? They've chosen that voluntarily, and then they volunteered to hand their kids over to other people they do not even know to educate them, now are calling themselves moms for liberty. I've enslaved myself. I'm ins- I've enslaved my children. I'm a part of a group called Moms for Liberty because I live in a George Orwell novel. So moms, get your kids out. Run for the exits. Flee for your lives. Because it's not just a problem about books for the youngest children. And it's not just the over-the-top, ridiculous, sexual, deviant material. That's not the problem. That's just the most horrible, awful, terrifying manifestation of the problem. The problem goes all the way down to the core of the idea that mom can drop her kids off and have someone else educate them and then mom can go to work instead of mom and dad taking responsibility for the education of the children. That's, that's the root of the entire problem. It's much bigger than just the transgendered ideology. That's just the head of the beast that you can see, but it goes all the way down, all the way down to the bottom. All right, now, what do I want to do here? Do I want to do the new drug or, or uh, let's see here. Oh, I can't. This is all so... So there's a new drug. There's a new drug on the market. It's called ISO. And we've got Jackie, a mom who's founded Mothers Against Drug Deaths. Mothers Against Drug Deaths. She's terrified by this new drug, ISO. That's right. Here's what, here's what mom, the founder of Mothers Against Drug Deaths, mad, says, My son's an addict. 18 months ago, dealers began putting fentanyl into heroin, and now my son can't even get heroin at all. It's all fentanyl. The possibility that ISO will start popping up next is scary. If the producers can manipulate a drug to be stronger for a cheaper price, they will. It's all about money. It's not about safety or anything. It's apocalyptic, warned Jackie, founder of Mothers Against Drug Deaths. So this is a this is a street drug, ISO. Uh, the producers. The producers of the street drug, ISO, fentanyl, heroin? Is that I mean when I was growing up it was uh, marijuana. Marijuana was a street drug. And none of the people associated it were called producers. Uh, they were criminals. And the, the illegality of street drugs kept most of my high school contemporaries from getting into them. I know. A, a lot of us did, and we all made our mistakes, but a lot of them didn't just because it was illegal. Anyway, um, Anyway, just a note to Jackie Berlin, the co-founder of Mothers Against Drug Deaths. It should just be Mothers Against Drugs. Yeah, not just drug deaths. It's just like it shouldn't have been Mothers Against Drunk Driving. It should have just been Mothers Against Drunks. Why? Because drunks is an offensive term. And 
people who are drunks, they don't like to be called drunks. They can tolerate being called an alcoholic because that gives them some clinical separation from the fact that they're a drunk. But uh, it should just be moms against drunks. Mothers against drugs, not just drug deaths. Anyway, folks, the legalization of street drugs is the single most influential factor in the destruction of our civilization right now. The collapse of free speech, the COVID tyranny, the woke madness, none of it could have progressed beyond the warped fantasies of a few drug-addled professors had it not been for the stoning of America, which started around 2008, I think, when they legalized dope. Not to put too fine a point on it, but... uh, So pray for Elon Musk, uh, by the way, who was smoking dope on... Yeah, anyway, that's not very helpful, Elon. All right, that's it for the Weekly Worldview. I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio. And, of course, my other brother, Daryl, who makes it all happen. Here in the Weekly Worldview studio, should the Lord tarry, we will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you.